Have you ever felt like someone's criticizing your work? What if the person who's criticizing it isn't actually there? That's one of our stories today on Eyewitness Accounts. This week's stories are as follows. He wanted to say goodbye, the pink ghost, and we were protected. I've been working in a long-term care facility as a continuing care assistant for about a year now. And the building that I'm working in is fairly new. It's about 30 years old. And in my opinion, that's fairly new as far as buildings go. But when you're around a lot of older people who are living there, you get really used to the idea of death. And you become numb to the pain of losing someone. And I'm no exception. With the amount of people we have passing away in their sleep, strange things are always happening. Cups being thrown around the kitchen in the middle of the night, call buttons going off constantly in rooms that nobody is in. And don't even get me started on the thick feeling in your chest you get as you're wandering around the halls when you're on night shift. Thankfully, I don't work a lot of nights. One thing that's important for this story is the morbid fact of breathing checks. Every hour on the hour, me and my team go around room to room, and if we find someone sleeping, it's our job to do a breathing check, which is exactly as it sounds. Make sure they're breathing. Now with any job, you find yourself drawn to certain people. You click with people on levels you may never understand. And that's true even with the people we take care of. Sometimes someone reminds you of a parent, a sibling, a grandparent, or you even remind them of a daughter, grandchild, a little sister. I once found myself drawn to an elderly man who was the most kind soul you could ever imagine. He reminded me a lot of my own grandfather. He loved to make people laugh, he always had the biggest smile on his face, and he was rarely in a bad mood. And that made him very popular among staff, to say the least. And we were very lucky to have gotten to know this man. He brought a lot of joy to the long stints of 12-hour shifts. So this is where the breathing checks come in. One afternoon, we're doing our rounds of breathing checks, and I went into his room, and he was fast asleep. So as per usual, I checked to make sure he's breathing, which he was, and I went on to the next room. Then an hour later, right before we head out to do our next round of breathing checks, his call light starts going off in his room. But when we get to his room, he looks the exact same as he did when I walked into the room an hour ago. No sign that he tried to move to set off the call button. He was peacefully sleeping, but when we did our breathing check, that's when we knew he was gone. The next step is to wait for the ambulance to come. And this might sound a little morbid and maybe a bit creepy to anyone who isn't used to these kind of things, but his body was still in the room, laying on the bed. But the family had requested that we pack up a few of his things from his room for them. So me and my coworker are in his room packing up his things as he's laying on the bed across from us. And that's not exactly what ended up being the takeaway from this experience. As we finished packing up the last of his things, his call light went off. Now, 
like I said earlier, we're used to the call lights going off when there's no reason for them to have gone off in the first place, especially when it's in rooms that nobody is in. But it's what my coworker said next that got my skin crawling. I think that was him telling you goodbye. In the moment, I felt chills crawl up my back. Something deep in my gut told me that she was probably right and it was his way of saying that he was now in a good place, trying to give us some closure. And now that some time has passed and I'm brought a lot of comfort that he wanted to give me that final goodbye. I've been working in the local mall for my town since I was 17 years old, before the shopping center became the Halifax Shopping Center in 1962, it was the St. Patrick's Home for Boys, which opened up in 1927, meaning the building, even though it's undergone a lot of renovations since then, it has a lot of history. There isn't any evidence that anything bad happened to the boys living at this location for the boys' home, but... There is something that doesn't seem right about being at the mall after hours. I could chalk it up to just being a strange feeling to be somewhere after it is closed, but if you talk to anyone who works late nights or any of the security guards, they might have some stories to tell you. Between the years of 2017 and 2021, I worked for the Halifax Shopping Center location of Victoria's Secret. If you know anyone or yourself have worked for this company, you know if you're part of their brand team, this means a lot of early mornings and a few late nights depending on the time of year. I was part of the brand team for three out of four years I worked for them. I preferred the early mornings as a university student because that meant I could work a 6 a.m. to 11 a.m. shift or sometimes a 6 a.m. to 2 p.m., meaning I could then either go to class or go home and get work done and have a full day of work done by 4 p.m. So I really didn't mind it and at the time you would not be able to access the mall before 7 a.m. unless you buzzed yourself in through the security. And most mornings since I stress a lot about being late although my friends might not agree. I would be at the mall sitting in front of the store at 5:45, waiting for my manager to open the doors. This isn't exactly super important, but it's just to set the scene. This isn't one of the bigger locations of Victoria's Secret, of course, but within this particular mall, it is one of the bigger spaces, as were Victoria's Secret and Pink Dual Location. When we would be running product from one end of the store to the other, you would typically be alone, as we would either be processing on one end of the store, and then you could be running product to the other. And a few of us hated being over on one end of the store alone because you always felt like someone was standing right beside you or watching over your shoulder. For me, it was more particularly the pink side of the store that really creeped me out. And when I first started working there, I just assumed it was just me because I've always been someone who thought I was hearing things when nothing was there or voices when nobody was around. I thought maybe it was just me and that I was overthinking it or creeping myself out for no reason. But one day I was talking to my coworker and I just mentioned how being over on the pink side alone was really creepy. And she said she fully agreed. She confirmed that she too would hear voices and would feel the slight pressure of someone watching her or standing beside her. So then of course the whole team starts talking about the strange things that they had experienced from the store and how sometimes depending on 
Where they are, they'll hear full conversations between two people, but in a whisper. But it would be so clear and sound like it was happening right in their ear. After that, I even started avoiding the mirrors in the store whenever I was around in the morning. Then someone shared a story from one of the security guards. You know that red phone upstairs? It's supposed to be an emergency phone. Apparently can only make calls from it. Nobody can actually call that phone. Well, one night, my friend was on night shift for security and he's walking around and he hears it ringing. At first he ignored it, but then he decided he would answer it because it wouldn't stop ringing. But he picked it up. Nobody said anything. Some people, when I retell that story, don't always believe me. They say it's a super easy story to make up, which they aren't wrong, but they'll think that until they work an overnight product flip and have to take the service elevator to an off-site stockroom at 3 a.m. and are rushing to get back to the others because they feel like something's following them. In October of 2022, my friends and I decided we were going to take a last-minute trip to L.A., and we were so excited. We had had a long weekend for school, and we were just going to drive down there and go. We didn't tell anybody that we were going, and it was kind of like a surprise for our friends. And one of the things that we knew we had to do was stay at the Millennium Biltmore Hotel. Now, if you don't know a whole lot about haunted hotels, this is the last place that the Black Dahlia was seen. So once we checked in and we got comfortable, we just did some looking around, see what we could find, what we could feel. We went swimming. And by the time all of this was done, it was around 10 p.m. Now, one thing that's very important to the reason of why we chose the place we chose was one of our friends is gluten-free. And it was surprisingly hard to find a place that had gluten-free options at 10.30 in downtown LA. Maybe Google was just playing with us, we're not sure. But we found a little burger place in a mall. And we decided, well, this is where we're gonna have to go. We walked 10 minutes or so from the hotel. And as we're taking the escalator down, we see a Day of the Dead memorial. And I purposely made a point to say we should stop on our way back to just have a look, pay our respects. And everybody agreed. So we get our bite to eat and we're about to leave and I almost forget. And as we're just about to get on the escalator, I'm like, oh, wait, guys, we forgot we have to go look at the memorial. So we turn around and we're looking around and everything's just so colorful and there's pictures of people's family members young old and as we're walking around i see a framed photo of marcia p johnson now if you don't know who she is she was a self-identified drag queen she's known to have been a very big activist for gay rights and was very prominent in the stonewall uprising and just did a lot for the lgbtq community now i asked my friends do you know who she is and they didn't really know at the time so as i'm explaining all of these wonderful things that marsha p johnson uh, had done 
there's an electric scooter behind us. And I'm not noticing, but my friends notice that every time I say something about her or like point towards the photo of her, actually it was mainly when I pointed to her photo that something strange would happen with the electric scooter behind us. Now, I'm not particularly familiar with how electric scooters work, so maybe this is just a coincidence, but it happened too many times for it to have been a coincidence. So basically, as I'm pointing to the photo, twice I pointed before noticing, and my friends who had been noticing that every time I pointed to the photo, the electric scooter started beeping and making noises and it wasn't like it was timed because it was not an exact timing every time I pointed to the photo and so my friend said Sydney stop do it again point to the photo and I did and the electric scooter went off again now like I said there was no specific timing that I was doing this so it was a very strange thing to have been happening But at the time, I didn't feel scared. And I personally don't even know exactly how I feel about it still to this day, months after. And so we're finishing looking at the memorial and we leave. And, you know, we're still talking about the weird scooter thing and how we all kind of collectively agreed that it wasn't a scary thing. It wasn't something that we felt was malicious. And so we get back to the hotel, we finish our ghost hunting, and we go to bed. And then the next day, when we're driving home, the 24-hour drive back home, we had to pull over on a highway somewhere so that we could get some sleep. And uh, the friend who was driving wanted a sign. He was asking the the universe for a sign of when he should start driving again. And mind you, I'm asleep. My friend beside me is asleep. Our friend in the passenger seat's awake. And so is the driver. And I only know this because it was told to me, but... As our friend who's driving is asking for a sign, he hears three knocks on my side of the car, on my window. And he looks at my friend in the passenger seat to kind of confirm, like, you heard that too, right? And she did. And so that is what he took as his sign to start driving again. Now, mind you, I'm asleep, and when I wake up and I'm told this story, again, I didn't feel scared. It was creepy, (laughs) and I was kind of uneased because it was still a knocking. There was still nothing to give any reasoning behind why there was this knocking sound on my door, but I almost felt like I was being taken care of. Like, it wasn't something scary. It was something telling us to go. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eyewitness Accounts. If you or someone you know has a story you would like to hear on the podcast, email us at podcasteyewitness at gmail.com, DM us on Instagram at eyewitnessaccounts, and don't forget to follow us for any updates on new releases. Narration by Sydney Bonin and scoring by Paul Dawson.